0: You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 through 9, the plan for a wife for Isaac. So Sarah had died three years earlier at the age of 127 and was buried in a cave on the only property Abraham purchased in the promised land. Abraham is now very old, a 140, and the Lord has blessed him in every way. But he is concerned for his 40-year-old son, Isaac. He is not married yet, and Abraham fears he will choose a wife from among the idol-worshipping Canaanites. His worry is for the purity of the family line in a spiritual sense. In this culture, matrimonial arrangements were made by the parents. At this point in history, people sometimes married within families or clans. Prohibitions against it came later. So he calls his chief steward who is in charge of all he has, and who would have inherited all of Abraham's wealth if he had no children. There is no hint of bitterness or envy, but he faithfully serves Abraham, and will also serve Isaac. He is not named in this chapter, but we know from chapter 15 that his name is Eleazar of Damascus. Abraham makes his servants swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that he will not get a wife for Isaac from the daughters of the Canaanites, but he must travel to the country where Abraham has come from, and get a wife for him from among Abraham's own relatives. Both Bethuel and Laban are elsewhere called Syrians or Arameans. That he swears by the Lord tells us that this servant was a believer in Abraham's God, which we will see shortly in his prayer. The servant foresees that there may be a problem if he shows up and asks for a woman to travel back with a stranger to a foreign land. He inquires about a loophole. He asks, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? This idea is horrifying to Abraham. He doesn't want his family to leave the land promised to him by God. Later, God will tell Isaac not to go down to Egypt because Jacob would be hesitant to go there. He'll have him tell him that this time it's okay to go to Egypt because he would be with him. So he tells his servant to never take him back there and then he gives the reason and his assurance that God will direct his mission. But he releases him from the oath if it happens that the woman is unwilling to come back with him. He is not to kidnap her. Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So Abraham showed faith that God would bless his mission. So the servant swears to do as Abraham has asked. Verses 10 to 21. The journey, the prayer, the sign fulfilled. The servant sets off right away to obey his master's command. He prepares quite an elaborate bride price loading ten of Abraham's camels down with all kinds of good things. They travel 450 miles and arrive in Mesopotamia at the town of Nahor, Abraham's brother. There is a well outside of town and it's towards evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. He has the camels kneel down near the well and he prays about the mission he had been sent on. It is a specific prayer for a sign that will leave no doubt as to the identity of the woman and her character. He needs her to be a relative of Abraham's and to be both kind and industrious. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, Please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Eleazar's unselfish servitude of Abraham, his oath in God's name, his prayer to Abraham's God, his trust in God to direct affairs, his patience after prayer, and his acknowledgment of divine guidance all show his personal faith, influenced by the example and teaching of Abraham. Sometimes to ask for a sign indicates a weak faith, as we'll see with Gideon and his fleece. But in this case it is a good prayer, because the servant is seeking God's guidance in a good cause. I know a man, Pastor Jacques Nadeau, who was a police officer who felt God was calling him into pastoral ministry, but he felt like it was like jumping off a cliff to make such a big career change. One day as he was out for a run, he asked God for an outrageous sign in order that he could be sure he should do this. He said, Lord, it's a beautiful sunny day, but if I turn the corner and there is a man wearing a bright yellow raincoat. I'll know that you want me to go into ministry. He turned the corner, and that's exactly what he saw. He nearly fell over with shock, and he has been a faithful minister for many years now. But before he even finishes praying, God is answering, just as in Daniel nine twenty to 23 Rebecca comes out to the well with a jar on her shoulder. She is the daughter of Isaac's cousin Bethuel. We are told she was very beautiful and a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The well had a circular stairway descending to it. This reveals her strength to carry a full jug of water back up the stairs on her shoulder. Wells feature in the love stories of several of the patriarchs. Rebecca is found at a well, Jacob and Rachel meet at a well, and Moses and Zipporah meet at a well. He hurries to meet her and asks for a drink of water from her jar. Although the water is for her family's needs, she doesn't selfishly hoard it, but generously shares it. She lowers it from her shoulder and gives him a drink. Hospitality required giving water to a thirsty stranger, but not necessarily to animals. A woman who would do that was unusually kind. Her servant attitude enhanced her beauty and purity. Even the common events of life, like the chance meeting at the well and the kindness of a woman to a stranger, is sovereignly guided by God's providence to accomplish his purposes. Then she unknowingly fulfills the sign because her character is caring and generous. She offers to draw enough water for his ten camels as well until they've had enough to drink. A camel can drink up to twenty-five gallons, and there were ten of them, Can you imagine how many trips down into the well and back up again with a full jug she would have had to make? She empties the first jug into the trough and runs back to the well to draw more water and keeps doing so until she has done as she promised. The fact that we're told she runs shows how fit she was. Meanwhile, Eliezer is just watching her closely in wonder without saying a word because although she is fulfilling the sign he does not yet know if she is related to Abraham. Both aspects need to be in place for his journey to be considered a success. He knew that it was the Lord who would make his journey successful. Verses 22 to 27 Family connection revealed. God is praised. After Rebecca has finished carrying up all that water The servant produces a gold nose ring and two gold bracelets as a token of thanks. The weight of the gold indicates its value. She has done this because she was kind, not because she was expecting a reward, yet he gives her this great gift. Then he asks who she is and if there is room in her father's house for him and the other servants to spend the night. Remember, there were no inns, so people relied on the hospitality of others." There were ten camels, but perhaps a few were unoccupied for the return trip. But there were probably at least five men, if each rode on one camel and trailed a second behind them. There may have been as many as ten men. She answers that she is the daughter of Bethuel and granddaughter of Milcah and Nahor. She doesn't mention her own name. Then she adds that... They do have food and provisions for the animals, as well as enough room for them to spend the night. Now Eliezer knows that she has not only fulfilled the sign he asked for, but she is from precisely the right family he was looking for. What are the chances? So he unashamedly bows down and worships the Lord, and says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. There are times when circumstances happen that convince us that it could only be by the hand of God, so we can't help but praise him. Rebecca would hear this and know two things. This man is a servant of their relative Abraham, whom they would have remembered as Abram, and this servant was on a mission for him that has been directed and blessed by God. Verses 28 to 31, Laban meets the guests. Rebecca has heard enough. Even after all that physical exertion, she runs back home and tells her mother's household about these things. The fact that it is referred to as her mother's household, even though Bethuel is still alive, implies he is incapacitated in some way either by age or infirmity. Rebecca has a brother named Laban. From what we see of his character later on, and that we're told his actions were motivated by seeing the gifts of jewelry on his sister, it's not surprising that he hurries out to the spring and invites the men to their home. He says, Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Based on his apparent lack of true faith in God, I'm guessing he mentions the Lord because of what Rebecca had relayed of his comments. Manipulative people sometimes take their cues from others. I also question whether he prepared the house and a place for the camels himself. He wanted to make himself look good. He probably shouted for the rest of the family to prepare the house while he ran out to greet them and invite them back. Verses 32 to 49, the servant's mission explained. They all return to the house and unload the camels of all the gifts, which would have made Laban's eyes sparkle. They provide for the camels and wash the feet of Eleazar and his men, as was the custom of the times. They set food to eat before their guests. But as a faithful and committed servant, Eleazar is focused on his mission and says, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Like with faithful soldiers, the priority is always on the mission. Laban tells him to proceed. He introduces himself and his mission. I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys my master's wife Sarah has borne him a son in her old age and he has given him everything he owns and my master made me swear an oath and said you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live but go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son he attributes Abraham's wealth blessing and even his son to the Lord's blessing he describes Abraham as great which was a way to say wealthy, and he demonstrates it by showing he has sheep and cattle, which is food, gold and silver, which is currency, and camels and donkeys, which is transportation. He shows no envy when he mentions that Isaac has inherited it all, even though he was set to inherit it before Isaac came along. He relays the content of the oath he made to Abraham word for word. He even tells them what his concerns were, If the woman was unwilling to return with him, as well as Abraham's belief that God would send his angel with him and make his journey a success, but he'd be released from the oath if only they did not want her to go. This should reassure them about the character of the person they would be sending their daughter with, that he wasn't there to kidnap her. But he may have worried that this loophole might be a potential problem, and suggesting it to them may make them change their minds. Then he tells them about his prayer and the specific sign he asked to be fulfilled, so he'd know that she was the one for his master's son. Here we also see he had prayed in his heart, not aloud. Then he shares how Rebecca did exactly as he'd prayed she'd do. It was confirmed when he discovered she was from Abraham's clan. He tells how he gave her the gifts of jewelry and thanked God for leading him on the right road to a specific family. He asks them to make a decision right away so that he'll know what direction to take next. And this is the third part of the equation that must be fulfilled. She must be willing to go to Canaan. Abraham does not want Isaac to return to Mesopotamia. Verses 50 to 61, Rebecca agrees to go to Canaan. The men of their house her brother Laban and her father Bethuel, who make marriage arrangements, discuss it and agree, this is from the Lord, we can say nothing to you one way or the other, here is Rebecca, take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord directed. Because they acknowledge the supernatural occurrence of the circumstances in the matter, they feel powerless to stand in the way. As I said, Bethuel is still alive, but possibly incapacitated in some way, like a stroke. Perhaps Laban asked him about it, and he nodded his head, and then Laban did the talking. But we don't know for sure. But Laban will be told something similar in Genesis 31:24. 24. Eliezer again has a faith-filled response and bows down to praise God. Then he brings out bridal gifts of gold and silver jewelry, and articles of clothing to Rebecca, and he also gave costly gifts to her brother and mother. Again, this hints at the diminished role for Bethuel in the home. Uh, Then, since business is concluded, they feel free to now eat and drink and stay the night. The next morning, they are anxious to be on their way back home. He asks to be sent away, Rodigal demanded a messenger be dismissed by the addressee. But her mother and brother, again, no word from the father, ask if she can stay for another ten days or so before they leave with her. He is unwilling, since he has had a successful journey and wants to return to his master. They call Rebecca and let her decide for herself if she will go with the man. Matthew Henry says, As children sought not to marry without their parents' consent, so parents ought not to marry them without their own. So she agrees to go with them right away, revealing she also recognizes um, God's providence in the matter. It has been suggested that Rebecca was listening, probably secretly, like Sarah, and like she will do later and overheard all the details of the mission answered prayer and the description of Isaac so they send her along with her nurse whom we know is called Deborah who will be with Rebecca her whole life then before she leaves they offer up a wedding toast and bless her our sister may you increase thousands upon thousands may your offspring possess the cities of their enemies Their conventional prayer of numerous offspring also coincided with God's promises to Abraham and his descendants. The second part of the blessing about possessing the cities of their enemies described military victories and echoed God's promises of possession of the land of Canaan. Then Rebekah and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels provided and returned with the men. Since attendance is plural, we can assume they were well off, as she had at least two servants to accompany her, and a large enough house to host a large group of men in addition to their own family. Verses 62-67, to 67, Isaac and Rebecca meet and marry. Isaac was living in Beer Lahai Roy in the south, in the Negev desert, where he would remain after the death of his father. Um chapter 25. This was the same place where God appeared to Hagar the first time. How God drew him there to meditate in the field at the exact time to meet the caravan of camels was providential. Perhaps he was thinking about how his life had changed in the three years since his mother died. Perhaps he was praying that Eliezer's journey would be successful. They both look up at the same time. She dismounts and asks the servant who the man in the field is who is coming to meet them. The servant replies, He is my master. She took a veil and covered herself until they were married, as was the custom. Eliezer tells Isaac all about his successful mission, no doubt excitedly, and not leaving out any details, since we know how thorough he was in his earlier descriptions. Isaac recognizes the hand of God in it. He marries Rebekah in his mother's tent. A similar idea is found in Song of Solomon three four. He accepted her as his wife before he even saw her beauty. Then we are told she became his wife and he loved her. And this is the second mention of romantic love in scripture. Finally, having a companion three years after his mother's death, it says that Isaac was comforted. He and Sarah had great mutual affection now Isaac f- could focus his love toward his wife. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? Abraham was concerned that Isaac not marry an unbeliever. Next to our decision to follow Jesus, whom we marry, to choose to marry is next in importance. It's vital that we marry a fellow believer for all of life's flows from our connection to Jesus Christ, we must be moving in the same direction, yoked together, and that's why Paul warns against being unequally yoked to an unbeliever. He says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? He uses words like fellowship, harmony, and have in common. The idea is that you don't yoke or hitch together an ox and a horse to plow a field. They are too different. In this chapter, Abraham's servant is unnamed. His task is to promote the son of his master and to bring his bride to him. But because he is unnamed, he is a wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit, whose task is to promote the son and to bring his bride to him. The servant is also a believer since he swears by God, prays before and after his mission, and acknowledges and praises God for making his mission prosperous. Likewise the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all in agreement with the plan of salvation. The Father plans and sends, the Spirit draws the bride to the Son, and the Son purchases and marries his bride. Abraham, Isaac, and the servant were certain the mission would be a success. All that the father has given the son will come to him. There were three qualifications for this woman to be Isaac's bride. She had to be related to Abraham's family. She had to be kind and industrious. She must be willing to return to Canaan with him. These, There are three qualifications for us to be part of the bride of Christ. We need to be one of His chosen, elect sheep. We need to demonstrate faith, and we must follow Him. Rebecca was rewarded for doing good works. She wasn't expecting a reward. It was natural for her to show kindness to a stranger. Likewise, we do good works that God planned beforehand for us to do, and we will be rewarded for them. When the servant sees his mission has been a success, and God has led him to the exact person he was defined, he joyfully praises and thanks God. Likewise, when a believer exhibits faith, there is joy in heaven. We should also be thankful when we see an answer to prayer. The other servants who accompanied Eleazar would have witnessed this extraordinary answer to a specific prayer and it would have encouraged faith in them, just as Rebecca's family had been encouraged. Likewise, when others see God's God work in someone else's life, it encourages their faith. In marriage, we are to leave our parents and join with our spouse to become a new family. Rebecca demonstrated this by agreeing to go right away, revealing she also recognized God's providence in the matter. Similarly, we are to each decide to follow Christ, but we have no hesitation to go, because He is worthy. The wedding toast they gave to Rebecca echoed the Abrahamic blessing. The details were all coming together to further God's plan for this family. Rebecca, who met all the qualifications, was found at a well and it changed her life. Jesus met a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and her life was changed. But this woman was not worthy either in her own eyes or in the eyes of others because of her nationality and her history. Jesus asked her for a drink, as Abraham's servant asked Rebekah for a drink, but he gave her living water. Rebekah was able to decide for herself whether she wanted to go to Canaan to marry Isaac right then. We must decide for ourselves to follow Jesus, for today is the day of salvation, when the servant bids us come. The servant would not be deterred from his mission. Jesus steadfastly went toward Jerusalem, even knowing that the cross was awaiting him there. Although each person was acting as a free moral agent in all that they said and did, ultimately God's hand of providence was orchestrating all events, even in the seemingly random chance meeting by the well and the fulfillment of the sign. God is sovereign over all all for our good and his glory. These are divine appointments. Jesus also went through Samaria on purpose to meet this one woman, who in turn shared with all the townspeople who then believed for themselves. God's guidance is evident in this narrative. Yet Abraham did not just wait for a woman to show up to marry his son. He planned an elaborate and expensive expedition with his most trusted servant. Nothing less would do. Jesus left heaven's glory and condescended to come to earth and die for his bride. Nothing less could purchase his bride but his own precious blood. In all our plans, big or small, we must trust in God's promises, pray for God's will to be done, and be thankful when he answers. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P. H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 25. May God bless the study of his word.